What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Wednesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We're a Sports Ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB, E-T-H-O-S Fantasy BB. We post all of our new podcasts, articles, news and notes, and all of our baseball content in general over there. If you're not somebody who uses Twitter anymore or you never use it to begin with, you guys can go to SportsEthos.com and get all that great content over there. Football season's ramping up. Basketball is ramping up as well. So there's a lot going on there. If you're just aware of the baseball side of us, uh, we also are known for basketball. We're also getting into football more and more over these last couple seasons. So make sure you guys are checking out sportsethos.com. Before we get into the actual show today, I know I just did point out a couple of sports that are around the corner, football and basketball, but I just did want to just remind you guys here, this is the most important time of the fantasy baseball season. And this is when you're going to win or lose your championships. It'll be over this next month, month and a half. Uh, most leagues go, usually they end about a week or two weeks before the end of the regular season to try and avoid players getting sat, pitchers getting skipped in the rotation. So generally we're looking at about a month left. You might be entering into your head-to-head playoffs pretty much any week now. And this is really when you're going to win or lose your championships. If you're somebody who's, you know, in second or third or fourth or fifth, like you're not like right at the top, it, it can be easy to kind of lose focus, it really from any position in the standings. But if you're somebody who just feels like you're kind of complacent, you know, you're going to sneak into the playoffs or whatever, it is easy to kind of take the foot off the gas and not put in that same amount of effort. But I would really recommend, you know, keeping your dedication uh, there for setting your lineups, making waiver wire moves. It's the only way you're really going to remain competitive. It doesn't really matter how far out ahead you are. You never know what's going to happen with injuries, with players going down to the minors, with whatever, uh, players just having slumps. You really have no idea of predicting the way the wind's going to blow over this next month and a half. So make sure you're remaining dedicated. You can really set yourself up for success right now by doing some of those things. Just keeping an eye on the waiver wire. Make sure you're not missing out on anybody who's been dropped or anybody who's on a nice little hot streak, good schedules up ahead for pitchers or for hitters. There's a lot you can be doing that's going to keep yourself out ahead of your league mates or at least keep them on par. You just don't want to be falling behind because this is when people will really win championships, whether it's head-to-head, roto, whatever the format is you play, uh, you really need to keep uh, the foot on the gas pedal at this point of the season. But we're going to talk about some news and notes today. Mostly regarding pitchers, but we're also going to have an update on a hitter as well. But let's start off. You know, I've said it a million times. Usually the news and notes section is not uh, full of great stuff, and we're not going to start off with a great one here today either. Shane McClanahan is going to, in fact, undergo Tommy John surgery. Uh, We'd already pretty much figured he was going to miss the rest of 2023. That was all but guaranteed. But now uh, he's probably going to miss all of 2024. You know, you never really know how these timelines work. It generally takes about a year plus for you to come back from Tommy John surgery. The timeline does vary, but it's generally a year or more. I think 14 months generally, 16-month kind of range is generally what you're looking at. So we're not going to see Shane McClanahan again until 2025. Uh, That's what it looks like. And I believe this is the second time that he has had Tommy John surgery. Could be wrong about that, but I think that he had it. I'm not sure. Maybe it was back in college. Yeah, he did. Uh, So this was 2016 was when he had it before. He was 19 years old. That was his first Tommy John surgery. And now having his second, you know, there's not a lot of players who come back the same from Tommy John surgery, Uh, even just one, let alone two. Now, he was you know fortunate that he's had a good couple of seasons here. I guess it doesn't feel very fortunate, but he has had a good couple of seasons, uh, even though he had a Tommy John under his belt. What he's going to look like going forward, 
that's really, really hard to say at this point. But he's obviously a, a drop in redraft leagues. If you're looking at keepers for next season in your leagues, you're starting to you know put those thoughts into your mind. What players am I going to keep for 2024? Shane McClanahan is not worthy of keeping. Uh, you know, probably going to be a fairly high round or, or dollar value, depending on how your league works. And I don't. I mean, he's not going to pitch next year. If he does, it would be an absolute miracle, and it wouldn't be till the end of the season anyway. There's the, and it's it's not going to happen. Don't even put that in your head. Uh, we're not going to see Shane until 2025. That is what we should all be anticipating. And at this point, there's really no need to hold on to him. If you're in like a long-term dynasty league, then I, I wouldn't be dropping him uh, necessarily. But if you're just in like a keeper league where you get to keep five or seven players for next year, whatever it is, you're not going to be keeping Shane McClanahan at this point. I know a lot of people don't even have that many keepers. If you had, you know, a couple, you know, five, six, even three or four keepers and he was healthy, he'd almost certainly be one of them. Uh, but with all the uncertainty around him, <clears throat> he's going to have to be somebody that you guys are sending back to uh, the waiver wires, unfortunately. He's still on 61% of Yahoo rosters. We're going to start to see that number come down more and more here uh, over the next couple of weeks, I would imagine. I know people are starting to zone out and focus on football, but we should still see that number uh, start to come down quite a bit over the next uh, week or so, as the new, or even just over the next couple of days, uh, as people really um, figure out you know, what they're doing with their playoff rosters. Now, we do see crazy stuff sometimes. Uh, players get held on to for a lot longer. Some people just... I don't know, sometimes in the back of their head, they're just not able to let go or something, and he'll probably be on more rosters than he should be over the next few weeks, but he's still somebody that you got to be dropping. Somebody else that you got to be dropping, and it's gotten to a horrendous, horrendous point of the season uh, with Christian Javier. I tweeted it out last night. I tweeted out his stats that were not even including last night's games, and then the numbers just got a little bit worse if you're looking today. Going back over his last 11 starts, because really that's when the trouble started. Uh, going back to June the 9th against Cleveland when he gave up four runs over five innings, only struck out two. That was kind of the beginning of the end. Now, there have been a couple of good starts in there, but there's only been one scoreless outing. There's been several times where he hasn't even got out of the third inning, uh, and he hasn't exceeded six innings in any of those starts. We're looking over 52 and two-thirds for, ten or, excuse me, for 11 starts, which we're really not talking about a lot of innings per start there at all. But we're also looking at only 40 strikeouts in that time frame. That's a 6.84 strikeouts per nine. And if you're looking at the strikeout percentage, which I do prefer, that's 16.7% strikeout rate. We're looking at about 6% below league average, 5 6% below league average. He's also walking more than 10% of batters, which is well above league average in that time frame. And in any time frame, that's always going to be above league average, walking 10.8% of batters, a 5.8 strikeout minus walk rate horrendous there's nothing that he's really doing for you at all that would indicate maybe there's going to be a turnaround either if you look at the era in that time frame 6.66 his xfip is 6.5 and xfip if you're not familiar fielding independent pitching using stat cast uh x, x stats essentially uh to try and give you the best picture um of what the actual quality of the pitches are without factoring in the defense and other factors that are out of the pitcher's control it's not like he's getting a bad break here. Sierra is another one of those kind of metrics. I know a lot of people are familiar, so forgive me for, for going over some retread there. Uh, but just in case anybody is unfamiliar, another metric like that that tries to just tell you how good the actual pitches are. The Sierra is 589. That's awful. And it doesn't indicate – there's nothing really to indicate if you look across all the stats, all the data, that there's going to be a turnaround here. 
he's not leaving as many runners on base as he normally would or as you know the league average would indicate it's usually 70 72 percent some pitchers you know if they're really elite tend to strand more base runners if you're not as good of a pitcher it tends to be lower right now he's training 64 percent of base runners league average about 70 it's not so far off where you can say, oh, yeah, that's what you can point to. And he's just getting really unlucky. Like, it's not a luck thing. Uh, his batting average on balls in play that he's allowing is actually lower than the league average. It's 283. Generally, you're looking in the 320, 330 kind of range for Babbitt. And he is actually, you know, allowing fewer hits on balls in play than most pitchers are. So there's nothing that you can look at with Javier other than team context to say, yes, there's a reason to hold him. He pitches for a very good team. There's going to be a lot more win opportunities pitching for Houston than a lot of other teams. But, I, I mean, I look at him. He's still 92% rostered in Yahoo leagues. Next time out, he's going to face the Red Sox. The Red Sox have been a good offense. There's no chance in hell I am starting him. Even if, I mean, maybe some of you will say, no, Joe, I'm going to hold on. You know, there's not a lot of my waiver wire or whatever. It's a 15-team league. Fine. But you can't be starting him right now. If you really want to hold out hope, which I don't even recommend at this point, because what are we holding out hope for? For one or two good starts, maybe he figures it out in September. Maybe he does, but that risk and that weight that is going to be, or the damage, I should say, uh, that's going to be done to your team and your stats every week until he actually figures it out, is, is it really worth it? I think it's probably not worth it. The results have just been awful, and it's not really a result of bad luck. It's just been bad performance from Javier. Going back most of the season now, going back to early June, we're talking about a good three-month chunk of the season where Javier has been bad. So I can't really say with any certainty that we should be holding on. I would recommend dropping him all over the place, dropping him in 10s and 12s for sure. And then 15-team leagues, I understand there's not a hell of a lot on waiver wire, so maybe you might there. But even then, I mean, it's just been so awful. If any other pitcher was, was performing like this for this amount of time, period, they would not be anywhere near a roster spot. Javier obviously has more pedigree than the average pitcher, but... This is a long enough period in this season where I'm willing to throw in the towel and say it's just a it's a, a done season for him. It's a wasted year. It started off very promising. Early season returns were excellent for Christian Javier, but at this point, uh, I think that he is maybe not an auto drop, but pretty damn close to an auto drop in a lot of formats. Let's talk about Marcus Stroman now. Uh, Marcus Stroman is going to be out indefinitely, and it's kind of a well, not one that I was actually really thinking was a was a thing with him he has fractured ribs uh, apparently or rib discomfort actually i saw I, sh- I thought it saw in one place that he had fractured ribs uh but now i'm seeing on another source that it's just rib discomfort let me just check that out again uh no rib cartilage fracture yeah so there's a couple different places uh, with different reporting on it uh but the one i'm seeing here from the score is that there is a right rib cartilage fracture and he's without a timetable to return i'm looking at, on yahoo and it says uh, right rib discomfort, but an actual fracture, a cartilage fracture is a lot more serious than just a bit of discomfort. He had been out with a hip, uh, it was a hip problem, inflammation, I believe, and he'd been out over the last two weeks. And, you know, if he had been Marcus Stroman like we saw earlier in the season, then I would say you're probably still going to hold because from what I'm understanding, he might miss three weeks, it might be a month. Um, but you'd still probably, and this also depends on when your league ends. If, you're, if your league ends in a month from now, then there's no point holding him regardless. If you're one of those leagues, like a Roto League or maybe a different kind of head-to-head league, where you go right to the end of the season, I'd probably still hold on. But that's more so if we were still looking at the early season stats, like I said. As of late, it has been awful for Marcus Stroman. Going back to really that June 25th start against St. Louis, we're looking at six of the last seven starts have been atrocious. There was one good start in there against Boston. 
but every other time out, he got killed by Cincy and the White Sox. He got killed by St. Louis another time, Milwaukee, Cleveland. Uh, it's been really, really bad. Uh, I don't see a need to hold him at this point in a lot of formats. If you are in one of those Roto Leagues that goes to the end of the season, maybe. But e- even at that point, I mean, all Roto Leagues go to the end of the season. I mean, if you're in one of those leagues um, that does, I don't really mean Roto League there. I kind of misspoke. But you guys get what I'm saying. If the, the longer the league goes, the more I'd be inclined to hold Strowman. But a lot of leagues are already kind of not wrapping up, but they're getting into the point where playoffs are next week or they're the week after. We're really into that crunch time. Uh, most playoffs are going to start like first week of September kind of thing. I don't know that Marcus Stroman is going to come back and be any kind of valuable. We're talking about the injury, and we're also talking about the performance. Like, let's say he does come back. Is he going to be Marcus Stroman from the beginning of the year or Marcus Stroman that we've seen recently? You know you're not getting a hell of a lot of um, strikeouts for Marcus Stroman. The wins have come for him pretty, pretty regularly this season, but are they going to come that regularly with the Cubs? I'm still not really sold that they're a great team. They're just three games over 500. I don't know that there's really that much upside in holding Stroman. So the long story short here, I'm probably sending him back to the waiver wire uh, in most leagues. I I really don't see the need to hold on. Again, if you have unlimited IL or whatever or a bunch of free IL spots, then go ahead and and stick him there, I guess. But in most cases, I really don't think it is going to be worthwhile to hold on to Marcus Stroman. Let's talk about another pitcher. This one, we've actually got some good news here. It feels like it's been like just a depressing 15 minutes here talking about the news that we've got so far, but actually a little bit of good news here. Carlos Rodon, uh, he threw a sim game today. It was over, I believe, five innings. Uh, let me just double check that. I believe it was a five-inning sim game. There was a there was a report that I saw that was taken down uh, on Yahoo, but yeah, five-inning sim game. Here we've got it from CBS. Um, and he had apparently no discomfort, no renewed discomfort. Um, so what I'm seeing is he should be able to slot back into the rotation for August 22nd against the Nationals. That is actually fairly optimistic considering what I thought was going to be maybe um, not necessarily the end of the season for him, but I thought, you know, this is really not going well from a performance standpoint. He's also been hurt most of the season. I thought the Yankees, considering their position, might have just really slow played this one and eventually just shut him down, considering that, you know, their playoff hopes are not fully extinguished. But I mean, they're six and a half out of the wild card right now. The division is toast. They have no chance at the division. I don't know that they were really going to push him, but it appears that he is going to come back and he's going to get a fairly favorable matchup in that first start. So he's down to 75% rostered in Yahoo leagues. It varies across different sites, how his roster percentage looks, but he is out there in some leagues, probably skews to the more shallow formats. I would take a chance and pick him up and start him against the Nationals. I think that there is plenty of upside in Rodon still. I mean, we know this. We've seen it over the last two seasons. He was going to be a top five pitcher in my rankings had he not gotten hurt and had his season derailed this year. If you remember what he did last year, just go back and look at like 237 strikeouts. He won 14 games, 288 ERA, a 103 whip. He was amazing, and he was just as good the year before. Two different organizations. You figure, okay, like this is sustainable. He is just this good. That wasn't really worried coming into Yankee Stadium. I was, or coming into being a Yankee and pitching in Yankee Stadium, I should say, I wasn't really worried at all about Rodon. I think that he can get back to that point where, yes, we he is a trusted fantasy starter. Will that happen this year? It's tricky to say. This last injury was not something that he was shut down from throwing uh, for. He continued throwing while he was on the IL. It was his hamstring. It was a pulled hamstring. Um, left or a strain, I should say, not a pull. 
Uh, well, uh, I'm splitting hairs at that point, but it wasn't an arm injury. If it was another arm setback for him this year, another uh, sh- shoulder, elbow kind of injury, then I wouldn't be as optimistic. But I do think that over time, the talent will win out for a guy as good as Carlos Rodon, and we don't have to be sitting here thinking that it's a totally lost season fantasy-wise. I could be wrong, and it might just be a thing where he doesn't ever get right this year. But I am expecting his next time out, which I mean, we have to see if it is against the Nationals for sure. We this the way this year has gone for him, you really have to be checking the news and make sure you're up to date on his situation because he's been pushed back a few times, rehab shut down, doing this instead of that. There's been a lot of bullshit uh, in trying to keep up with Rodon and his injury this season. But if he does come back and start against the Nats, uh, that would be next week on um, Tuesday. I think you have to start him, and I think you have to pick him up if you are sitting in a league where it's a shallow format, maybe a 10-team league, maybe a 12, maybe even more shallow. You know, I only usually talk in terms of 10 as being the shallowest, but there are plenty of people who play in eight-team leagues. I'm sure he's available in a lot of them, and I'm sure that there's, you know, pitchers that you might think, oh, well, this guy might have a better matchup, whatever. But Carlos Rodon is a top-five pitcher in the game when he is healthy. I know that he has not been that this season, and if you're somebody who has a short memory, like I tend to have usually, you can say, ah, Rodon, I mean, what the hell has he done for me this year? He's got a 7.30 ERA. He's won one one of his starts out of like six. I understand. Actually, is it six starts or seven? I think it was six starts. But regardless, he has not been good. The potential is there for him to come out and be one of the best pitchers rest of season because that is generally what he has been now for the better part of two, two and a half years. Will it happen for sure? No, but that's one of the gambles that you take. You know, we talked yesterday in terms of the stock market, in terms of gambling. This is essentially we make we make gambles uh, when we play fantasy baseball, and I think it's a very good bet in assuming that Carlos Rodon will turn it around sooner rather than later. You get a good matchup against the Nationals, even if you don't want to buy in on a rest of season standpoint. Buy in as a streamer. You know how many people we look at on the average day in terms of streamers that are getting picked up. Today was Matthew Liberator, and it was Javier Assad. And it's guys like Clevenger and Reese Olsen, you know, where there's, you know, there's potential. There's some good starts here, bad starts there. But a guy like Carlos Rodon in a good matchup potentially against the Nationals, that's obviously going to be the best streamer you can have on pretty much any given night. So he is somebody that I am definitely um, taking a look at to see on my shallow league waiver wires if he's available. And in the leagues where I do have him, he's going to be slotted into the starting lineup there uh, pretty comfortably against the Nationals. Now, one more bit of news out of Yankee land before I let you guys go today. It's pretty good news uh, about Aaron Judge. He apparently won't need off-season toe surgery. It's likely. I shouldn't say for sure, but according to Aaron Junes, uh, he said that he won't rec- – or Aaron – did I say Boone's? Aaron Boone uh, said that he will not need surgery after the season. Uh, he had said before, when, when he was still hurt, that he would likely need surgery uh, to repair that ligament in his toe that he hurt at Dodger Stadium back – I don't even remember at this point – was it May or June, whenever it was, when he ran into the outfield wall. I believe he made the catch and right, uh, but he ran right into the wall, tore something in his toe, and uh, he ended up missing, I forget how long it was, a month or so. He has not been as great since he's come back either. Uh, It really hasn't been the old Aaron Judge necessarily. So I, I don't really know how to feel about this. It obviously makes me feel a little more comfortable if the injury is not that severe that he's going to need surgery. It also makes me think, is it really going to make that much of a difference one way or the other? Um, it can, but a foot injury can have a huge in, uh, impact. It can make a huge difference for 
a batter, depending on how they swing, what foot they play. It was his right foot, I believe, so the foot that he uses to kind of drive, um, you know, that power when he's swinging. We haven't really seen that power, though. So maybe this is a situation where they know it'll get better over the course of some time with just the natural course of things. And they figure, okay, there's no point putting him through a surgery. I can't imagine it be that invasive of a surgery in your toe, but I guess if they don't think he needs it, he doesn't need it. But we also haven't seen Aaron Judge stealing any bases. We also haven't seen the power really there at all. So I, I, it makes me wonder where to draft him next season. And I, I, I was coming into the show thinking I was going to say it makes me feel more confident in where to draft him next season, but I think I kind of needed to see how the year finishes out for Aaron Judge. And I think that he's going to be probably drafted in the, in the first round of a lot of leagues. I think he's more of an early second rounder, to be honest. If he comes into the year fully healthy, there are so many stolen bases and so many complete players that are going to be pushing up into draft uh, draft first round territory. You know, Corbin Carroll's the first one that kind of comes to mind. We're going to see guys like, I mean, I don't know if Ozzy Albies is going to go ahead of him, but guys of that nature who put up those crazy stat lines and give you more stolen bases, I think that they're going to be more of a commodity, seeing how many steals we needed this year. It was kind of a question of, okay, everybody's going to go up in steals a little bit, so is it really going to matter if I have you know, more of a priority for getting stolen bases in my draft? Is it really going to matter, or is everybody going to kind of go up the same? It turns out that you kind of needed more steals to compete this year, so I think that those guys who are a little more complete are going to go ahead of him. Uh, you know, I don't know if Adelise Garcia will, but I could see it in a lot of cases, a guy like Adelise Garcia going ahead of Judge just because there's maybe a little more safety there. He's never somebody who's really been getting hurt these last few years. You're getting some – I mean, it's not a ton of steals, but you're getting some steals. Uh, a guy like Marcus Semien could potentially push up close to the first round. Wouldn't shock me at all if he does. Kyle Tucker will be ahead of him. Mookie will be ahead of him. I mean, even without the steals, you can make the argument for Matt Olson. I'm not sure if he'll necessarily get into that first-round range, but he'll be close. Luis Robert Jr., he's somebody that could potentially, you know, if he comes in and finishes off strong and gives you 40 home runs and 20 stolen bases, batting close to 300, you could make a strong case for him to go ahead of Judge, too. There's injury worries with both of them. So I don't know that Judge is going to be a first-round player next season necessarily. I think it'll be close, but we're going to have to just monitor how this season ends off for him. Is he going to be you know, stealing a couple bases at the end of the year, kind of you know, showing us that he can still do that? Was he just stealing a lot of bases last year to try and bulk up his stats overall to try and get the best contract he could, and now he's not going to really steal that much anymore? Because he didn't even really steal that much before he got hurt. He has three steals on the season. I don't really know. Well, let's see how he finishes off this season before really making judgments for next year. I think he's probably end of the first, beginning of the second, more leaning like in that number 15 kind of range. That's probably where I'll have him ranked 15, 16 kind of range. But let me know what you think. Over on Twitter, I'm at JoeOrico99. At Ethos Fantasy BB is where we post all of our podcasts, our articles, and all of our baseball content in general. And then, of course, SportsEthos.com is the mothership website where you guys can check out all that stuff right from the source. We'll be back again tomorrow. We'll do it all again. We'll talk some news, some notes, see what goes on in the baseball world overnight. But until then, guys, take care. Have a great night. Cheers. See you tomorrow.